Chapter 26 During the ensuing uproar, I tried to get Hugo's attention but he ignored me and raised his voice. My sister was manipulated by this Charlie Allison, a member of the most powerful cackle species this world has ever known. She's innocent. I demand that she be exonerated and that we execute this sojourner, Charlie Allison, by drowning as they did in ancient times. We must eliminate him before he learns to harness the true nature of his power, or this war with Zadatur, that I believe he has started, will only be the beginning. He waved a hand at the soccer dads. Who else but a sojourner could bring these creatures into our world? I heard my name called and turned to see Kalia standing and looking at me with wide eyes, pointing to the door, shouting, Go Charlie! Get out of here now! Hugo shouldered two people to the ground while rushing to his sister. He slammed into her left side and wrapped her up in his long arms. They nearly went down. Kalia struggled, got one arm free, and dashed a hand into her pocket. Someone dose her, the prime nabob yelled. Now? But it was too late. For me, the walls became beige instead of white. The light came from lanterns instead of bulbs. And the room became empty of people. I don't know what everyone else saw, but I suspected Kalia had thrown a very different ghost for them than she had for me. Though I couldn't see them, I could hear their screams. But Kalia spoke over them calmly. You have to go alone, Charlie. My brother can endure this better than most. He won't release me. Hurry, get out of here, but be careful. Show me your brother, I said. I'll free you. We'll leave together. I wish I could. But I can't. Please go. Now. I'm sorry for what I said. I thought I was helping. I know. I'm not leaving you here. You can't help me if you're captured. This is our only hope. Go. Now. She was right. These people would find some strange way to imprison me, and that would be it, all hope lost. If I escaped, at least I could turn to Lou for help. I'll come back for you, I shouted over the screaming. I promise. My mind was inside an empty room, but my body was not. On my way to the door, I tripped over what sounded like a hollow cooler, bounced off two whimpering people, stubbed my toe, and scraped my shin. After hitting my head on something, I learned to walk hunched over, with my hands groping the air in front of me, blind but not blind. At least I could see the structure of the lodge where the doors and walls were, and sometimes I could see reality seep through for a split second. Everyone else seemed to be trapped fully inside Kalia's whorls, but I was caught somewhere in between. Maybe because I was her shaka. Reality would come and go. One moment I would be walking down a hall painted in natural light, hearing the hardwood creak under my feet. The next moment the hall would be dim, and I would hear the screaming again, and I would bump into someone and see their disembodied face. I began to feel sorry for them. Kalia was torturing them so I could escape. I was suddenly both frightened and proud of her. My bond was powerful and ruthless. I fumbled through the mansion, through reality and whorl, and made my way back to the front door and outside. The sun was up, and the gate surrounding the grounds was different, shorter. I quickly and carefully crossed the lawn with my hands out in front of me. When I felt the real fence, it appeared for a second. I saved the image in my mind and used it to climb up and over. 
There was only a short fall on the other side. The street out front was no longer paved. I followed it into Old Town, walking on what looked like mud but felt like concrete. Then I felt the mist off the bay and heard a passing conversation, and the present reality returned in a flood, only to retreat moments later, leaving me squinting at the sunlight of a clear summer day. I figured I was sometime in the late 19th century. The sidewalks were made from boards. There were telegraph poles and lines. The men wore what looked like wool suits, and the women wore Victorian dresses. Everyone wore hats. I passed one man with a giant mustache selling whole Dungeness crabs from a rickety wooden cart. A trolley car was parked way down the street. I practically crawled down the sidewalk. The people around me, the ones in reality, must have thought I was crazy or drunk or both. When I'd put two blocks between me and the lodge, Kalia's world decayed completely, and the modern day descended, literally. I looked back. No one was chasing me. They were still trapped in Kalia's nightmares. How could I save her now? Hugo had betrayed me. I should have known after a version of him had tried to kill me in Kalia's whorl, but I'd been desperate to help her, to take the chance. He'd called me a member of the most powerful cackle species this world had ever known. If that was true, and I learned how to use that power, I wouldn't need any help. I'd come back here and tear this place down. After walking another block I heard my name called, and I swiveled around to see Bruce and Pam, the two mummers from Naomi's harem she'd brought up to the apartment above Neil in a mold to help recruit me into their harem. They stood outside a bar, not looking at all surprised to see me. Stay away, I said, scanning the street and sidewalk behind them. No one was following me, but I knew that could easily change if I dawdled. I jumped off the sidewalk and ran around the two mummers. But Pam darted out and sprayed my face with something out of a cologne bottle. The farmer has the milk pail, she said. As soon as I heard those six little words, my reality shifted again, only much differently this time. No whorl was projected on top of the existing world, but the world changed nonetheless. I saw everything around me as if I were a milk cow, or what I imagined a milk cow to be. I knew I wasn't a milk cow of course, but I thought I was the essence of a milk cow. I was Milconus, and the world around me suddenly made perfect sense, as if I'd been given the key to a coded message. The city was just a farm, and its people farm animals. Bruce and Pam were other milk cows. When they walked past me I followed, and we were a line of milk cows engorged with milk, shuffling toward a barn where Naomi was waiting with her competent farmer girl hands. Pam turned her head and looked behind me. I saw her eyes spark with recognition, then grow with fear. Something was stalking us, a mountain lion perhaps, or a tyrannical cattle dog. Before I could look for myself, Pam mooed frantically at me, milk is a caterpillar, and sprayed me with something again. And then I was cheese curdness, all three of us were, floating in a soup of milk and bacteria, coagulating into milk's immortal form, cheese. We floated across the street because this was our purpose, to feed our sugars to bacteria, to ferment, to merge, to transform. Naomi was the big curd, the curd of all curds, the curd that would make us whole, make our transformation complete. Bruce and Pam barreled into a larger curd that would take us to her, a cheddar white Subaru Forester. The doors made splashing sounds as they opened and shut. Pam was in the driver's seat, and Bruce was beside her. I was behind them. They knew the way. The bacteria eating their lactose were wise, 
As Pam started the car, I saw a shadow out of the corner of my eye, heard another splash, and turned to catch New Jersey Lou duck into the car and sit beside me. I could tell by his blockhead and the look on his face that he was a mountain lion and he wanted my cow meat and I was curdness and conus all at once and I screamed because the coexistence of those opposing realities was tearing me apart. I needed to run to the farmhouse, find a stall, and wait for farmer Naomi to milk me. I needed to coagulate to merge to form a block of cheese, a chrysalis of milk immortality. I reached for the door but the mountain lion, who also smelled of listeria, grabbed me. I tried to kick and jump free but his claws were too deep, gripped too strong. Pam sprayed me again and shouted, bacteria eats lactose. Of course. Why hadn't I realized that earlier? I was bacteria, the good kind, and Lou was lactose, just a milk sugar in my way of making the perfect cheese, in other words, my mortal enemy. But I was also curdness and conus. The curd in me understood the lactose and bacteria relationship and welcomed it, but the cow in me was afraid of predators. But then the lactose lion pointed a spray bottle at Bruce and Pam and squeezed the handle, releasing a cloud of mist, of listeria? No milk protein. Bruce and Pam coughed, gasped, crumbled and stilled. The cab filled with the smell of rust and metal. I watched the fear and fury vanish from their eyes, replaced by ease and contentment. They smiled, faced forward, and leaned back, floating as if they had completed their purpose, as if they were cheese but they weren't cheese. I rose from the vat of milk and curd and whey. This lion this milk sugar had to die. I swung my free hand toward his throat, but he swiped it away with ease, pressed his weight against me, and pinned me against the cheese mold, pressing the whey and breath out of me. I felt a sharp pain in my arm. Listeria. I felt woozy, then euphoric. I stopped caring about lactose and cows and curds. I nodded in and out of sleep. At some point, there was some more commotion. Then we were driving. Then we were stopped. Then we were driving again. Time passed. I couldn't tell how much. 